Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. For some downtown Portland business owners, the new year is a time for optimism. They say government attention in the area, including the recent recommendations by the Central City Task Force, could mean positive changes for downtown. Jonathan Bach is a real estate and finance reporter for the Portland Business Journal. He talked to four downtown business leaders about their hopes and their fears. He joined us recently to talk about it. I started by asking him what stood out from his conversation with Vanessa Sturgeon, who works in commercial real estate. Yeah, I think the key quote from Vanessa Sturgeon, she's the president of TMT Development. Um, she really said that her hope for is her hope is that 2023 was rock bottom for Portland. And that doesn't come as a huge surprise. Um, she's very civically involved. She's also very involved in business circles. Um, she was on the governor's central city task force, and she's got a bird's eye view um, from Park Avenue West, where her company is located, uh, on the state of downtown Portland. She really just, you know, she, like I think a lot of, folks in real estate is hoping for um, Portland to lift out of its doldrums. If you were kind of a glasses half full view right now, I mean, is is there data that, that, that you or she, that, that somebody could point to, to say it actually is likely that 2023 was the bottom? I don't know if there's data to show that 2023 was the bottom per se. I think the data shows that 2020 in 2023 things certainly got worse. Uh, we just got CBRE published its uh, fourth quarter 2023 office report uh, for Portland, and it showed downtown's overall vacancy rate for offices again um, at 29.7 percent. So that's nearly a 30 percent vacancy rate. That's I believe the highest I've seen it from CBRE's tally. Meaning higher than than the last couple of years, which were already quite bad. Yeah. It's basically inched up. It's just continued to go up. I don't I can't think of a time. Maybe it's gone down one time in a quarter, but I, I can't really recall off the top of my head it going down over a sustained period the past four years hmm. at all. <laughs> I mean, tied to that, the, the price of office space is I shouldn't say low, but but it it, ha, it has not recovered from its pandemic drop. It's lower than it was at the end of 2019. Does that mean that there are deals to be had if if people want to actually, you know, invest in this real estate? This is a story we're interested in investigating further in 2024 because we've heard mixed reports about whether you can really get a deal on office real estate, um, even though. The intuitive thing is, you know, vacancy rates are super high, and so therefore, duh, you would get a deal. And there are certainly people like Katie Mangle, Alta Planning, um, which recently moved into one main place on Southwest Main Street in downtown Portland, and they got, as she told me, uh, a lot of value for what they need. They got a pretty good deal, and there have certainly been um, a lot of deals to be had. But we've also heard sort of mixed reports of some landlords and and this is this is unconfirmed and why I want to look into it further this year um 
sort of holding on to higher than you would expect asking rates, but that that begs further investigation. Holding on, meaning they're just they're saying no. I, I, at some point, I'm going to get this. Someone's going to going to take up my offer and and lease out this space, so I'm not going to lower the price. I think it has to do with, and again, this is I'm, I'm going a little over my skis here. It has to do with sort of the long term play of the building, um, how you can write it off. I, I, again, we kind of have to look at it a little bit further. Um, but I think there are still folks out there who are charging higher than you would expect office rates, hmm. and there are folks who are getting deals. You know, you and I have talked a lot in the past about the challenges that employers have faced in getting people to go back to offices to to Mm -hmm. stop working from home. Has it been long enough now that it's it's time to start talking about permanent changes in office work culture? Oh, I think employers are 100% having those conversations. Um, You know, I think four years, right, is a is a fairly good data set um, by which to judge, okay, you know, is this going to become an entrenched culture in my office? Um, I think hybrid, you know, a lot of employers, Portland employers are figuring out um, their hybrid schedules, whether it's three days in the office, two days out, has been a nice mesh for a lot of folks. Um, that's, you know, the PBJ schedule. Um and and yet there are there are also calls for um, more employers to come into downtown specifically if we're talking about it. You know, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler has continually, uh, you know, hit the drum. We need to get more folks downtown. We need to get more employers downtown because, our, again, economic development 101, the more feet you have on the street, the more restaurants are frequented, the more retailers are frequented, um, the more you have uh, that sort of ripple effect. And uh, But that there's always been this chicken and egg thing. The more yeah. people would want to be there. But, right. but when, when the mayor has said that or others, and this is one of the lines from the, the Central City Task Force recommendations, it always made me wonder, you know, where is the teeth in this? I mean, the the mayor can't force the head of a bank to mm-hmm. force their employees to to come in. Uh, I just, I, I'm. It just seems like there's a disconnect here between um, local leaders' desires, or maybe even CEOs' desires, and mm-hmm. and their employees' desires. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about teeth. I think they've definitely tried carrots, right? Uh, there was a business incentive tax credit, I'm probably butchering the name, that the city installed last year for um, for employers. I don't remember the specifics, so forgive me. But basically, the, 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 thematically, it's important because the city is trying to incentivize. If you sign a lease for X amount of time and it's downtown and you have your employees here for X number of days, then we will give you... Uh, uh, break on your business tax credit um, or a, on your business tax. So they're trying the incentive approach. I don't I don't know that there's any teeth because as you rightfully point out, government can't step in and force the CEO of a bank to push their employees through the door. I suppose then where we're left is it's, it would be up for the employers to, f- to do some version of incentives for their employees, we'll you know we'll buy you free lunch if you if you come in at least four times a week or something. Right. The, the uh, another issue, a related issue to this that, that we've talked about on our show in the past, is the push to 
um, in the age of, of, of less office space being used as office space, to push to retrofit some of that into residential space. And, mm-hmm. and the city and the state that they've talked about making that easier in some ways, waiving some charges um, that, because it can be very expensive. But is this actually happening? Not to the degree that proponents of the idea would want to see in Portland. No. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now with Jonathan Bach. He is a real estate and finance reporter at the Portland Business Journal. You mentioned Katie Mangle, a principal at Alta Planning and Design, um, as as one of the companies um, that has moved to downtown. They had been based in the central east side, and just a couple months ago, um, they moved their headquarters to, to downtown Portland. So why did they make that move? So uh, Alta Planning, it's a uh, sustainable transportation company. They're founded in 1996, um, and they're actually quite large. They now have offices in the U.S. and Canada. And Katie had told me that, uh, you know, the company didn't consider moving its headquarters out of Portland, where it has about 60 employees. Um, But they did move from the central east side, uh, they were on Southeast Grand Avenue, over to one main place on 101 Southwest Main. And that's a really vibrant quarter right now, I would say. I mean, I work downtown. Um, you know, our office is right by Nordstrom. But when I'm in the office, I walk probably a mile just around downtown just because, A, it's great for a real estate reporter to drum up ideas for stories. B, I just get really antsy in the office, and so I like to walk around. Hmm. Um, and Work from foot. Work from foot, exactly. Uh, I'm going to tell my boss that. Um, and I go on to second quite a lot. And it's it's a really cool corner right now, you could say relative to other pockets around downtown, because you've got things like 40 Pounds Coffee, you've got Elephants right there, you've got a stretch of restaurants, you've got Look Lack, um, and you've got all these employers that are concentrated there. And you do see quite a lot of folks like, you know, on the street, you've got, you know, it's the classic Jane Jacobs eyes on the street. Hmm. Um, and I think that was one of the things that Katie and Alta really were drawn to about that specific corner. In fact, she talked about TriMet's large presence. They have a presence in the building. They took 95,000 square feet inside one main place for their administrative offices. And they got what they described as a heck of a deal. You know, it's they, interesting that they're... One thing that stands out to me in in the quotes from her in your article, but also what you're saying from from your own experience, is that we can talk about the central city broadly, which is a, actually a very large geographic area. It spans both mm-hmm. sides of the river. We could talk about you know downtown, which I think for a lot of listeners, a lot of Portlanders, it's a more concentrated area, but it's still parts of northwest and southwest Portland. But the experience of so many people, it, it, it's down to your block, you know, mm-hmm. your immediate neighbors, maybe a, a one or two block area. It's much, it's much smaller, the, the kinds of the, the, what people, I think, are basing their decisions on and their experience of a place. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. I mean, that's it's, – it's very – curious. And I think a lot of people have probably had a similar experience. You've probably had the same experience where you, you know, I think 
downtown changes one block to the next sometimes where you've just got a lot of empty storefronts. And then it seems like there's a lot of activity, um, you know, a lot of folks out on the street or whatever you want to say. Um, it, it is down to that almost like block by block level. Hmm. Let's turn to the retail questions. Um, you talked to two different retailers for this recent article. One of them is a man named Marcus Harvey, the founder of a company called Portland Gear, a, a, a Portland-branded clothing and apparel and, and sort of hat and backpack store. They recently opened a new flagship store downtown. Why? So Marcus was another person who did not want to move out of Portland. He was very adamant, our brand is in the name. You know, it's not like us, we go gear, right? It's Portland gear. So he was really excited about this new spot um, over by, uh, uh, over on Southwest 10th. And it's a really nice spot. It's the former cleaners building. A lot of folks are familiar with it. It's uh, sort of the same building as the Ace Hotel. And as he told me, you know, he still believes Portland is this vibrant, fun, energetic city. I think the main, just again, speaking thematically, whether you're talking about Marcus Harvey or you're talking about Stephen Lean, who's the owner of Under You for Men on Southwest Washington near the Block 216 building, the new, which houses the new Ritz-Carlton. A lot of these folks in real estate, even Vanessa Sturgeon, the real estate developer whom we were talking about earlier, real estate is a long-term game. A lot of these folks are making years-long decisions when they either sign a lease as a tenant or sign a lease with a tenant. And so they're betting on Portland coming back. They understand that Portland is, yes, it's in a, a trough right now. Um, I think that's widely acknowledged, but they they also believe that Portland is going to um, rise out of that, hmm. and it's going to look like a different city, I think. But they, I think they have a lot of faith that the city will bounce out of that trough. What are the various folks that, that you've talked to recently? What have they said about the current leadership of the city or the state? It's a particularly Vital question now, given the, the 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 recent recommendations by the Central City Task Force, and and the possibility that those recommendations will be implemented or not. So, when you talk about city or state leadership or government leadership, and you're talking to small business owners, business owners, it really runs the gamut. Um, some are very excited, for instance, about the recommendations from the from Governor Tina Kotek's Central City Task Force. Um, those run from, for example, putting a pause on new taxes for three years to banning the use of hard drugs in public to expanding homeless shelter capacity. Um, the banning the use of hard pub drugs in public will probably become a very contentious topic in 2024 as it's, you know, probably hashed out in the legislature. You know, we did a story where we talked to a bunch of small business owners and how they were affected by these ice storms. And one guy that I talked to, he's the co-owner of a jewelry business, and he was just so frustrated with what he felt like was the, the not complete lack of support, but 
the shortage of support from local leadership when it comes to, you know, small business assistance, there was this certain numbness in his voice that you could tell wasn't completely from the cold. He was really, really wanting more help from the local government and he felt like it wasn't always there. And this isn't just the ice storms. He, I think it was more cumulative um, than that from the past four years. But his businesses had to close. He's pretty sure that the storm is going to wipe out his profits from December. Um, but it really, you know, it's not a monolithic response when you talk to these business owners about government response. Jonathan, thanks very much. Thanks so much. Jonathan Bach is a real estate and finance reporter for the Portland Business Journal. Tomorrow on the show, we'll spend the hour with the nonfiction writer David Gran. From The Lost City of Z and Killers of the Flower Moon to his latest book, The Wager, Gran has a knack for writing books that are both gripping page turners and meticulously researched explorations of colonialism, obsession, and greed. If you don't want to miss any of our shows, you can listen on the NPR app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts, our nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. Have a great day. Think Out Loud is supported by Stephen Jan Oliva. The Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust. Michael, Kristen, Andrew Kern, and Anna Sanford. Mm-hmm.